Greetings, children, and welcome to my chamber. My name is Rotherick Gastblood, and I'm your host of Tales from the Dark Chamber. This week, we have a great show for you. Tales to make your skin crawl. Each week, my chambermate and I read a scary tale that we found on the internet, or perhaps left under some corpse. Either way, we think you're going to like it, and we're just dying for you to hear it. So sit right back, light a candle, and let's have a ghoul evening. Woody, watching another old horror movie? Yeah, and this is a great one. The Worm That Ate Chicago and gets a thank you letter from President Obama. <laughs> you and your movies. So who's in it? Well, it has Ricky Baker. Hmm, don't know him. Janice Simmons. Never heard of Clifton Talons? Nope. How about Edgar Weathers? Woody, I appreciate your love of these old classics. But what is this story about? Oh, it's about a young man who loses his family when the worm eats him and turns their bodies into zombies. Zombies? If the worm eats them, then how do they become zombies? Well... There was a nuclear accident out in the Pacific where a sea worm was exposed to M-rays, a special ray developed by the military. When it grew, it crawled up the Mississippi and into Chicago, and then it... All right, Woody. I get the point. Sea worm. Radiation. Mutates and eats Chicago. Right. Want to watch? No, thank you. I think my constitution can't handle such nonsense. You enjoy your ninny movie. Ugh, you have no class. You know that, Rothrick. But that does remind me of tonight's story. We read The Caterpillar by Miss Paint Durdan. The first part of a two-part story. A young man loses his sister through a mysterious doorway in a weed-infested field only to encounter a creepy girl and her mom. Enjoy! Caterpillar, Part 1, by Miss Paint Dardan. I was playing with my hospital badge as I stood in line. Jonathan Villanueva. Johnny V. That's me. I had just finished my shift as an emergency room nurse. Not my usual spot, but it was the 4th of July, and they were understaffed. So after a 10-hour overnight shift of attending to drunks and people with firecracker injuries, it was 8 in the morning and I was ready for a nap and a beer. But the line at Walmart was ungodly slow. And of course, there was only one register open. I watched as other customers were being led to the self-checkout lanes. But unfortunately, beer was one of the many things that could not be self-checked. So, after a few minutes, I was next in line with a clear view of the individual causing the wait. The little girl looked around 12 or so. 
old enough to be shopping on her own, but young enough to be having a panic attack over being nearly $10 short. This can't be happening, she cried. She tugged on her long black ponytail as she tried to count her money again. A worker had been tasked with bringing her cheaper versions of the items she was attempting to buy, but it was still not going to be enough. I looked in her cart. It was filled with repair items, tape, cords, various containers, and, well, as grocery items like canned goods and bottled water. How much do you need? She turned to me, wiping tears from her eyes. What? I directed my question to the cashier. How much does she need? $9.74, the elderly woman replied. You really don't have to do this. I handed her a ten. I'm sure her parents are wondering what's taking her so long. The little girl looked at me with a forced smile. Thank you, sir. She finished her transaction and began to push her heavy cart. I didn't ask if she needed help. That would have come off as a little creepy. So I paid for my six-pack, some bread, and a few bags of M&Ms. On my way out, I saw the girl loading her cart into a smaller, much dirtier cart, which looked like something out of a coal mine. I didn't need to wonder why she didn't shop with her cart. She probably didn't want to be stared at any more than she already was. She caught my glance and smiled, this time a genuinely sweet smile. Thanks again, she pointed to my name badge. Jonathan? Just Johnny, I said to her. I tossed her a bag of M&Ms and the candy fell at her feet. She was blushing as she picked up the bag and quickly pocketed it. I'm L. That's a little kid's name. How old do you think I am? As she stood up straighter, she appeared taller with more defined features. The name's L. Like the letter. I don't like people knowing my full name. Of course. Your parents taught you well. <laughs> Not for safety. I just have a really stupid name. She giggled, the innocence returning to her face. I'll see you around. I nodded. See ya. The girl turned her head. By the way, I'm, I'm 16. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to offend you. She bit her lip with a sly glance. You're kind of cute. I couldn't help but blush. I'm 21. Five years age difference is a 10-year sentence. That caused her to smile. Well then, goodbye, Johnny. Maybe I'll see you in two years. I went home and went straight to bed. Today was my day off, so I planned on sleeping for a good 10, maybe even 12 hours, but that was not the case. I woke at noon to a call from my sister Olivia. Johnny, I need you to babysit Dad. <sighs> I just got home. Not right now, idiot. Come over at 6 and make it sound like it was your idea. <sighs> Let me guess. You're going to a party, I groaned. One of the worst parts of living in southern Wisconsin. There was not much to do other than party, especially for Olivia. She was a full-time college student. I've been watching Dad all week. I deserve to go have some fun. Our father was dying of end-stage leukemia. The infection had spread to his brain and he had very little time left. He wanted to be able to leave me and Olivia something other than medical debt so he opted to stay home rather than in hospice care. Since it was summer and Olivia didn't have a job, she took care of him the majority of the time. But once the fall semester started up, those roles would be reversed. 
and I would care for him while working night shifts and living on coffee and energy drinks. I reluctantly agreed to help her out. I set my alarm for 5 p.m., so I would have time to shower and pick up something to eat. I managed to arrive at 5.47, letting myself in with my key. I could hear groaning coming from my father's room. Dad? My father had fallen out of bed. He laid in the fetal position, shivering badly. He was six two, but with how frail he was, I could lift him without assistance. I put him back into the bed and locked the guardrails into place just as Olivia entered the room. Johnny, I knew I could count on you. She held her arms open for a hug. What the hell, Liv? You left the bed rail down. Sorry, she muttered. Suddenly a man entered the room. He had long blonde hair like a stereotypical surfer, high cheekbones and piercing blue eyes. I'm Tommy, he held out his hand. His smile was like that of the Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland, wide with bright white teeth. But the more I looked at him, the more I began to see something else. A shark. The guy smiled like a great white shark. I'm Johnny, I said, shaking his hand. I glanced at his bare arms. I could see bruises and needle marks. I also noticed an unusual tattoo. Is that a harp? He chuckled. <laughs> the letter V. V? I asked curiously. I had a similar tattoo on my hand, but mine stood for my last name, and mine was intentionally made up to look like a harp, in tribute to my mother. Tommy ran his fingers through his hair. It's my street name. <laughs> White boy has a street name? I chuckled to myself. Olivia nudged my arm. Johnny, stop harassing my boyfriend. Boyfriend? I groaned. More like a fuck toy. Olivia had a new boyfriend every other week. I watched as Tommy stuck out his forked tongue and licked his upper lip. We have to get going. See you later, Johnny. Olivia kissed my cheek, looking as beautiful and sweet as our late mother. You two have fun. I have everything covered. I wanted them to leave. As soon as they did, I went straight to the bathroom. I threw open the medicine cabinet and shook bottle after bottle. Olivia and her fucked-up friends were stealing my father's pain pills. Oxycontin and anything that might have street value was gone. I was too mentally and emotionally exhausted to get the police involved. I mean, it's not that I could prove anything. Luckily, it was not quite as easy to shoot up or sell medication that came in IV bags so I was able to give my father something to help him sleep. I stayed at the house all night, but Olivia and Tommy never came home. I left message after message with no reply. I was considering calling the police when my dad finally woke up. Livy, where are you, Livy? Olivia's not home, I said. Johnny? My father was reaching out his hand. They took her. Who? The demons, he swallowed hard. Your mother came to me in a dream. She told me where they took Olivia. I didn't know what to think. My mother died when Olivia was born. I barely had any memories of her. But my father never remarried. He always acted like she was still a part of his life. I knew my father had tumors in his brain, to the point where he was nearly blind in both eyes. Maybe his mind was gone, or... 
Maybe he already had one foot on the other side with my mother. I'm going to call the police. I can't exactly go out looking for her. I have to get to work. I have to... My father grabbed my hand. Instinctively, I closed my eyes. I could see tunnels. Possibly a sewer. I... I... I will guide you there. With his trembling hands, too weak even to feed himself, my father removed his wedding ring and handed it to me. As I put the band on my finger, I could see a map, a series of glowing red lines, like a GPS in the back of my eyes. I knew exactly where I needed to go. The movie theater. The town's only movie theater sat in the middle of a field, across from the highway. Growing up in my small town, I always found it odd that while the rest of the land surrounding the highway had been turned into truck stop hotels, fast food restaurants, and of course a Walmart, the area around the movie theater remained the same mass of tall weeds. Wearing my father's ring, I walked through the denser patches. The golden grass stood well over six feet high. I had no idea what I was even looking for, but for my father, I had to try. I started to feel cold, a strange feeling in the sweltering heat of July. I kept walking further towards the center of the field, when suddenly I came face to face with a door. A wooden door painted yellow. The color of the surrounding weeds was standing on its own in the dirt. Walking around it, the door did not appear to be attached to anything other than the ground. I chuckled as I touched the handle. This was not happening. I was dreaming. I would wake up in my bed. None of this was real. Ow! The handle was white hot, but only for a few seconds. I could see specks of my blood on the rusted metal. The door opened to a long corridor. This was too freaky. I had seen enough movies to know when to run in the opposite direction. Then I heard a voice. He who is without sin may cast the first stone. The voice echoed down the mysterious hall. It sounded sweet and innocent, like a child. Although the statement itself was kind of creepy. I wanted so badly to trust someone. Best case scenario, I find Olivia. Worst case, I die alone like the loser I always was. I clenched my father's ring, praying that its power would protect me, or at least light my way. I stepped through the doorway. The yellow door slammed shut behind me, leaving me in total darkness. I pulled my cell phone from my pocket. As I expected, I had no signal. But I figured that the glow from the fully charged phone would serve as a light source. In the distance, I could see other lights. They were faint, like candles or maybe torches. As I came closer, they looked more like Christmas lights glowing bulbs embedded in the dirt walls. And now there were three paths. I raised my light to the first tunnel and immediately regretted it. Screams of terror filled the corridor, and I could hear metal, prisoners banging on bars and rattling chains, crying out for my help. Someone grabbed my hand. This way, said the same childlike voice from earlier. The small hand pulled me to the third tunnel. Here. The creature handed me what appeared to be a rubber clown mask. Put it on. The creature grabbed my phone, pointing the light at its face to reveal a rubber clown mask that covered its entire head.
Does everyone wear a mask here? The workers, those without sin, the creature replied. But you seek a sinner. I quickly put on the mask. My sister, I... I was about to unlock my phone when the creature grabbed my hand. Shh. The creature led me to a wall of what appeared to be college IDs. Name? Olivia Valanueva, I said, my voice trembling. There had to be hundreds of cards stuck to the wall. Were all these people screaming in the first hallway? Oh, the creature said sadly. What? Do, do you know where she is? She's already been recycled. Recycled? Into a caterpillar. The what? This was not happening. I was going to wake up on my dad's sofa and Olivia was going to come out of her bedroom and tell me I needed to leave for work. I can help you find her. But why? Why are you helping me? Because you don't belong here. I was now certain the creature was a girl. I knew in my heart that if I stuck by her, I might have a chance for survival. Lead the way. I followed her down a corridor to a lower level. From the top of the stairs, I could see what appeared to be a caterpillar-shaped mass. I had seen the movie Human Centipede, where bodies were sewn together in a daisy chain. That was not what I was looking at. This looked like one of those hairy caterpillars, a long mass with many little hairs jutting out. Except these weren't hairs. They were human limbs, each one of them independently moving. Is she inside that? I asked. Suddenly someone pushed past us. Move it, Z, he shouted at my guide. Screw you, Vega, Z shouted back. She turned to me. He's such an asshole. They all are. What did you say to me? The man's voice was deep, demonic. He raised his arm and smacked Z in the head, knocking her down. Hey, I shouted, grabbing him by the arm. What I saw nearly caused me to scream. It was Tommy's V tattoo. Instinct took over, and I grabbed his mask. His long blonde hair tumbled down his back. Tommy turned and smiled. So which one are you? He took a step closer. The husband? The brother? The father? What? Who are you going to avenge? Kristen? Julia? Mary? Katie? He blinked his eyes, causing them to turn from human blue to snake-like gold. Olivia, she was a tasty one. He raised his hand, his nails long and black. I took a step back in case his next move was to try and rip off my mask. But just as quickly, a shadow struck him in the side of the head. Vega groaned as he fell to his knees. Z grabbed my hand. As I was too shocked to move, Run! She tossed a large rock as we ran towards the stairs. How hard did you hit him, I asked. He had it coming, she murmured as we made our way down the stairs, closer and closer to the fleshy caterpillar. That asshat preys on bad girls, cheaters, whores, sluts. His words, not mine. What do you do here, I asked. Not that, she quickly replied. Why are you here? How did you get here? 
I was born here, she said in a calm tone, laced with hints of sadness. We approached the caterpillar. It stood well over ten feet tall and possibly miles long. The massive arms and legs were flailing in every direction. I could hear screams, like the sound of someone bound and gagged, but I saw no faces. Z walked to the caterpillar. As she approached, the massive body parts became calm. Hi, Mom. She reached her hand into the mass, allowing the sea of limbs to swallow her up to her shoulder. For the first time, I felt like I was going to panic. I reached for Z, but she raised her free hand. It's okay. Me and this thing, we go way back. A woman's face emerged. Her eyes were sunken in, her skin rotten and decayed. But yet, I could still make out her beauty, her bone structure, her long black hair. Mom, I need you to find someone, Z said. Her voice still sounded so sweet, like Olivia when she was a little girl. The dead face nodded. Z turned to me. Say the name. I swallowed hard. Olivia Valenueva. The dead woman's mouth opened as if to take a breath. The massive limbs formed a dark hole. From inside, something was spit out. It looked like a mannequin that had been run over by a truck. But it was Olivia. She was face down. I expected her to start crawling like one of those Japanese ghosts, but she only groaned. Grab her, Z whispered. Her head was turning, looking around. I hadn't seen anyone else in the tunnels, but that was before we started messing with their property. Out of the corner of my vision, I could see figures emerging from the upper levels. I ran to my sister, scooping her body up into my arms. I knew the less attention I paid to her current state, the better. This way, Z shouted. She ran straight towards the caterpillar. The long creature extended down a pathway. Stay close to me, Z shouted as she ran along the side of the caterpillar. I could hear people chasing us, but I concentrated on Z. As we passed the disembodied hands and feet, I could hear slapping. I dare not turn around. I only hoped my instinct was correct. The caterpillar was protecting Z and, by association, myself as well. Z made a sharp turn and I followed. She was squatting in a corner, gasping for breath. Sorry, I can't run for very long. This has always been my resting spot. You do this a lot? Whenever I want to get away from Vega, or Tommy, as I know he calls himself. Does he hurt you? No, but my mother was one of Tommy's first victims. Z stood up. We need to keep going. I looked down at Olivia, but immediately Z grabbed my hand. She's alive. That's what matters, right? Caterpillar, Part 1, by Miss Paint Dardan. Well, folks, that's our story tonight. Rothrick and I hope you enjoyed it. We sure had a great time bringing it to you, and we really appreciate you listening. Tune in next week when we bring you another chilling tale from the dark chamber. And just a note, 
If you're an aspiring author and you want your story read here on Tales from the Dark Chamber, send us a note at talesfromthedarkchamber at gmail.com. If it creeps old Rotherick out enough, we'll air it. And subscribe to our podcast for notification of our next new episode or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Tales from the Dark Chamber and follow us on Instagram or Twitter. If you want your story read for your own use or you just want to have it, check out my website at woodygvoiceover.net. You can order there or you can find me on Upwork as Woody G. And again, thank you for listening tonight. <laughs>